0: Welcome to my faculty podcast at Walden University, created to provide further professional development and conversations relevant to faculty interests. This podcast is brought to you by the Office of Research and Doctoral Services. This is Lee Statlander, and with me today are Sri Banerjee and Leilani Jelsat. So, why don't we have you guys introduce yourselves, Sri?
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Sri Banerjee, um, uh, core faculty for the College of Health Sciences. Um, have roughly twenty years of experience um, in, in the discipline. Um, got my start um, in in medicine, and then uh, now teach um, and uh, also serve as chair um, and committee member for uh, dissertation committees.
2: Thanks, Leilani. Hello, I'm Leilani Gelsted, and my background is in psychology research as well as educational research, and I serve as the chair of Walden University's IRB, and I mentor studies in psychology and education.
0: So we're going to talk about ensuring survey validity today. So Sri, you want to start us off with what are we talking about when we say that?
1: Sure. Thank you, Lee. So when you're first starting to try to determine how precisely uh you will study a uh, research phenomenon um a, a lot of times uh, it's it's uh, not easy to uh clearly determine um how you'll do so. So uh if, for instance uh one one phenomenon uh uh men- mental health um in mental health was um anxiety that um, I recently uh, completed a uh, social change grant on. Um, and so to characterize that, um, we had to go through a process to um, try to determine how to study anxiety through proper instrumentation. So, so in, in a nutshell, um, the idea is, what types of questions that you'll ask, what are the right types of questions that you'll ask to determine and understand a a phenomenon like anxiety.
0: Okay, thanks. Um, So let's say you find a survey that you're interested in, Leilani. How do you go about using
2: it? Do I need to do anything? It's a great question. And so as a researcher is locating Probably, through you know the literature, is locating different instruments used to assess that um, construct. There are going to be um, there's information in um, in the articles themselves about the affiliation of the creator of the measure, and in some cases, there would be an explicit statement about maybe a company that um, owns the copyright to this measure. Now, I have to say that, this is a caveat, some fields are more likely to have a licensing process for a measure than others. I think we see it the most in psychology, but more and more in the business domain, we have quite a few students and faculty researchers who do research with Myers-Briggs measures or um, MindGarden measures, and these are very common commonly used in the literature, and they're not available for free. You know, just because you can read the questions in a published article doesn't mean you're allowed to use the instrument for free. And so it's the responsibility of the researcher to understand what are the terms of use. And so you can look in the articles themselves. I um, I haven't yet seen a research article where it was completely ambiguous. Um, now here's something, there's some background, and and this is covered as part of the ethics review for each study as it goes through the IRB review. Traditionally, this is not part of some institution's IRB review, but at Walden, we view it as very, very critical that our researchers are observing, you know, copyright and intellectual property um, principles. And so the US code does allow for researchers to use some assessment intra uh, sorry some assessment instruments as long as commercial gain is not sought and as long as the original source is cited and that is going to cover probably 98 percent of instruments used in the social sciences um, and that just means you look to the article itself and in some cases you might have to go to the um the uh it's not cover page but the the part of the journal itself Um, if it's an online to be honest i'm not sure how you look for it i i think you have to look um for the terms of use um it's it's one of those things that's usually in the fine print and um if you're having trouble figuring that out our you know librarian can definitely help you locate that information and it will often say this can be reproduced and used for academic purposes then you're good and that means it's in the public domain for use for academic purposes without any special permissions and so that will meet the ethics requirement for Walden any researchers um, are encouraged if they are uh, especially you know because part of their lit review is to make themselves really really current and knowledgeable about all of the research going on right now they may wish to reach out to the original author and you know let them know of their intention to do a study with that instrument and in some cases the researcher i'm sorry the original author is interested in the um, the researcher's current study and they you know maybe the beginning of a collaboration or at the very least they may ask to you know, share the results later, and in some cases, you know, a, a data sharing can be worked out with de-identified data, of course, where that study's data could possibly be used to do continued validation of the measure. Um, that's obviously going to be more common when the current, when the original author is still actively doing research on that topic and maybe looking to do um, to uh, broaden the validity. Of the measure with new populations that have not yet, um, that the the measure hasn't been used with yet. So um, there are lots of good reasons to reach out to the original author, but in many cases um, the original author cannot be located, or that person is deceased or retired, and so there are lots of situations when it just isn't feasible to reach out to the original author. But in terms of what is actually required, um, I think this is where you really, if you're a dissertation student, for example, you would lean on your content expert on your committee to help you really understand, is this a licensed measure? Is this something that... um, and and let me say a little bit more what I mean about license. For example, the Beck Depression Inventory. And uh, I don't know, Bruceree, when you were doing your lit review, did you come across any anxiety inventories that required a licensed psychologist or a licensed doctoral level researcher to use it?
1: Right, Le- Leilani, right. Um, so, so when I was looking at the uh, coronavirus um, anxiety scale, um, it was actually part of a creative common shareable alike license. Um, okay. So the idea was um, it's, it stated the citation that needed to be um, placed yes. um, in order to use the instrument, um, the previously validated instrument.
2: Okay, and and in that case, they did not require that the user have a doctorate or have a psychology degree or, you know, a license of any type?
1: Not in that specific uh, situation, no, no.
2: Okay, so so yeah, that sounds like an example of where the creators thought about this from the beginning and they provided a specific citation that they require the future researchers to cite in, in any material material. Um, or any findings that are published using this measure. Um, so that's why I say the terms really vary and they're set by the copyright holder, which is um, unfortunately can be ambiguous sometimes. It's usually the author, it is not the journal that publishes the material. Um, and in some cases, like I said, it's ambiguous because it might be a company like MindGarden or um, you know, the Myers Briggs Foundation. And so that's where a content expert, um, you know, you just ha- you have to do some research. Um, before uh, using um, a measure that you find, uh, and and to not assume that just because it's published um, that it's it's available for use. And you, like I said, you will usually see a notation that this instrument must be purchased through the Myers Briggs Foundation, for example, or, or through um, you know one of uh, Pearson Assessments or one of those ones. Now back to the issue of licensure. In most cases, um, for some sites, well it's not even a majority of psychological assessments. I would say it's a pretty specialized set of psychological assessments where the creators want to ensure that those instruments are used ethically and um, appropriately for the field and not misused in any kind of diagnostic way. And that, you know, the the people using the measure understand the difference between using a measure for diagnostic purposes or research versus research purposes. And they often will require some sort of a very brief application, just stating, okay, who's the person um, mentoring this research? So even if it's a doctoral student and they don't yet have a doctorate, um, they, and sometimes the application to use a certain measure might require the doctoral student to describe what assessment courses they've had. I mean this is a more extreme uh, example. Or even just to state who their um, mentor is. And I believe in some cases they ask for a license and that would be for a, a more of a diagnostic tool. And Most of the time, you know, these measures that are psychological, psychological measures, they come with a manual that clearly lays all of this out without this kind of maybe sometimes, you know, it's going to be clear for that specific instrument in the manual for that instrument, which is usually a pretty substantial document with all of the norming for that instrument and, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of details about different populations on which the um, the instrument has been used and also to help make clear any differences in the uses for, like I said, uh, research purposes versus diagnostic purposes. So I I know that sounds really complicated, but um, let's say for a doctoral student it would be important um, to pay pay attention to the place you get the instrument from. So make sure you save that article and read it very closely to find out if any terms of use are described. And then um, another next step is to just look up that person who's the lead author and and just find out if they're still at that institution listed as their affiliation and then you might consider a brief outreach to them just to say um, I mean for a measure that I created 20 years ago I still get emails of just people saying I'm using this measure and I'm just letting you know and I say thank you I love to see the results I'm not granting any sort of permission Um, but it is one of those collegial best practices in in most of the social sciences anyway and then um the irb at walden anyway will assist um, researchers in finding out if they um, have done enough to um, to secure permissions when it's a licensed or copyrighted instrument that is not that doesn't have that statement that the um, instrument is available for academic use with you know no um No application process and no fees
0: it's often worth searching on the web for that particular survey and sometimes you can find it online and they'll have instructions on how to get permission and that kind of thing
2: exactly exactly
1: right right.
0: okay so i'm sorry who was going to talk
1: uh I, I, I was i was i was going to also mention um and uh Lee, did did you want to ask the
0: question or um i was changing the know? subject so if you have something else. oh okay okay
1: yeah as as uh, Le- leilani was mentioning um i was also thinking about um when 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 um looking for a proper uh survey instrument um a, a lot of times uh you know, in order to adjust um, your research topic to uh, what you're looking for, um, a, a lot of times you might want to think about changing the question, but when you do so, um, a, a lot of times um, the the phenomenon that you're studying, for instance, if it's um, anxiety, um, there's a set of questions that may go together. So you have to be careful. Um, if you do make any sort of um, changes and alterations um, in addition to um, permissions, um, you also have to be careful that the consistency um, is still maintained. Um, so there are certain uh, uh, internal validity tests, like Cronbach's um, alpha, um, that you can um, actually look for. And um, even um, in if, if you're if you're uh, deciding to uh, make uh, certain alterations, um, you can also conduct certain pilot studies. Um, uh in, initially uh, and and w- given the uh you know permission um and and then and then see uh, if there's consistency still there um and and also um just just thinking about um, as uh leilani um you know as, as you brought up uh the myers briggs um and and how it's important to uh maintain uh that survey instrument uh when you're implementing it uh, within a research study, um, I, I was thinking about a uh, research study um, that I um, initially planned and actually um, w- went through and this was uh, in a in a uh, different institution where I went through the IRB approval process um, and um, at that point um, the the cost and and everything I, I I was not aware that you would have to actually uh, pay for the instrument um in, in order to um act, actually uh, implement it and i irb did not comment or so th- um so i had actually gone um and in, into uh more of the planning um w- without being uh, advised about this um so the the lesson from that um one uh place where i where i, I did not quite know all the information is that know all of your information. Um, make sure that you get all of the permissions um, as uh, Leilani described and um, you know, to anyone that is looking to um, create their own instruments, uh, make sure to use proper validity constructs.
0: So let's say I run across a survey that I like, but some of the questions don't quite work for my particular sample I want to use. So I want to modify it. What steps do I need to consider and how many people do I need to use in order to validate
2: it? No, I could say a little bit about this from a pragmatic perspective and then maybe Sri would want to say more about the, uh, the tests and the um, analyses you might do to confirm that it's a, still a valid survey. Um, So from a permissions perspective, let's say you find the perfect measure and it's looking at something like, um, you know, college students self-efficacy and it's focusing on nursing students and you want to focus, you, you love that measure, it gets right at the constructs that you are focusing on in your study, but you want to use it with education students who are training to be teachers oftentimes a researcher can um, adapt an existing measure with proper citation of course of the original measure and um, essentially create a different version of in this case it would be you know a self-efficacy measure in college students in education and so it's it's a entirely similar constructs, but it is a different measure. And it would, be, it would be careless to just assume that you could just plug in you know, the word education or teacher with nurse, right? You would definitely need to um, conduct uh, some sort of pilot. And I'll throw this out there and, and wanna give a caveat that it really can vary depending on the state of the field at the time of the study. and um, and the specific uh, domain. But in many domains, let's, you know, I don't want to name one in particular, but um, I'm going to use education just for the sake of example. Let's say for the, you know, in the field of education, if you were using a measure that was originally developed in nursing, in many cases it would be acceptable to publish a study in which the actual research questions uh, data set serves as, as, as the, um, the data set in which you would run the uh, reliability and validity analyses. So it's not always necessary to do a separate pilot study, if you know what I mean. Um, and that's usually acceptable when it 's an exploratory topic, and you know you 're not really coming out and saying "I have the be all end all new measure for <laughs> self efficacy and education," but it 's an exploratory step and it 's justifiable I think, in some cases to to move in that direction and um, build off of an existing measure most of the time. doctoral students are going to be highly discouraged from creating their own measure from scratch because creating a measure and validating it is usually several dissertations in itself like it's, it's several major studies to create and validate a measure but when you're working from a previously validated measure and tweaking one fairly small aspect of it that could be considered you know building on the previous literature and that's certainly not discouraged um, and in those cases the researcher is going to really want to make sure they have a strong background in, in testing and test development and assessment and, and instrument development, and um, and a really a very sophisticated understanding of um, the statistical tests that would need to be run in order to establish that validity. Now um, I don't recommend <laughs> doing that type of tweaking with any type of measure that is um, Either licensed or uh, copyrighted by, you know, say Myers Briggs Foundation or um, Mind Garden, because their lawyers will come after you. <laughs> so just be aware that there are different contexts, and that's why I said it's you got to be careful. It's kind of field specific, and um, you know, it's it's the free usage of these instruments. It needs to clearly be um, uh, documented. Um, that you are uh, citing the original source and um, That no commercial gain is being sought and that that is where for the research purposes um, Usually let's say for a dissertation There's usually not much commercial gain (laughs) directly involved in a dissertation, but um, you know there have been some instances where uh, the creators of an instrument or creators of um, even certain um, programs that researchers studying where, you know, the attorneys came after the researcher because they didn't seek the appropriate approvals.
0: Hmm. Things to remember. Sheree, did you have some ideas as to how people could validate a modified survey?
1: Definitely, Lee. Um, uh, Thanks. And uh, Leilani, um, all very, very good points. Um, uh, Just um, thinking through some of the things um, I I was also thinking about, um, you know, I think one thing to keep in mind. Yeah, um, I, I think. Um, i I think it's important to know all of the um, IRB requirements um, and regulations uh, when you are and and who holds uh the proprietary license um, so all of these things um should be at the forefront um when thinking about uh using instrumentation so uh given given that and uh keeping that in mind um I think it's important to um, also note where um, existing surveys can be flexible. So what do I mean by that? Um, So the uh, United States uh, 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 Food and Drug Administration um, and uh, they actually have a um, module, a food insecurity module. Um, And there's actually a longer version Um, about 10 or 12 questions, and then there's um, a five-question version. Um, And so what researchers did is they took the longer version, uh, 10 or 12 questions, and then compared the results to a shorter version. Um, And so uh, the reason I'm describing the process is this is a process that, you know, is an additional alternative that you could potentially use to modify um, existing surveys. So, so what they did is, is, is they looked at the results to see if there was uh, uh, a compatibility, and uh, the the results were promising. Um, they found that if you ask just in five questions about food insecurity, then you could really get good results. So, so what did we do? um and so in 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 the um social change grant um wh- where we were studying food insecurity um as it pertained to the pandemic, we ended up using the the modified five question um survey and and in fact um uh, what was neat about about this uh, questionnaire was that um there was skip logic. What do i mean by that well um if Certain respondents answered the third question in a certain way um, then they they were some people did not need to take uh the rest of it um so so there there was um if if then logic um there so so this is an example of how you know if you know exactly kind of if you do your research um if initially you think that there's a better instrumentation that uh, that that might be more efficient you know then then look for that um, um, d- do your research um, go through the literature um, and, and and then f- potentially there, there there may be a way that that uh, you know that there is a way to compare a longer uh, version to a more modified version but um, I think all of these um, all of the regulations and everything um, should be kept in mind
0: Okay. Great. Um did you want to talk at all about how you would validate a particular modified survey?
1: Sure. Sure. So, um uh, it's so a little bit more about um modifying uh, like a uh, uh, modified survey. So so one way is is to uh compare the uh, the, the results of of a of a modified version to the results that already are yielded through um, a previously validated instrument so if you if you compare those and and see um how well um, the the what one version performs against another um then this can be a way to um, Test for uh, reliability. So, so there's there's different types of reliability and validity, um, and and these are tests for internal validity um, that that you can look for, um, and and there's quite a few, um, but but the whole idea is to look for consistency. Um look for um, internal validity uh, make sure again that the items that are measuring a certain phenomenon like like anxiety um when you change one of those, make sure that you know it, it doesn't change the whole um construct and and what is what is being measured so these are these are all considerations and um uh, things things that need to be taken into account
2: great thank you I would- I would also add um, a couple of things that, <sighs> kind of, things to watch out for, definitely, uh, there should definitely be caution exercised in adapting a measure and the researcher needs to be very sure that they've at least really tried to do a thorough search and that they aren't unnecessarily creating a new measure or adapting a new an, an, uh, existing measure just because they haven't found a measure that's perfectly good that's out there um, that's one of the things as an IRB reviewer I have occasionally seen that as a researcher you know came up with something and we said why aren't you using the validated measure for this construct and their response is oh I didn't know it existed well no that should have been part of the lit review it's not something we see a lot and it's not re- that part was not really the duty of the IRB reviewer, but we just said, is there a reason why you're not using the validated measure that other uh, researchers have used? And it definitely should not be a way of just avoiding the cost of a licensed measure. Um, I've seen that, or <laughs> I've heard students occasionally talking about that, and that would not be a justifiable reason to create your own. Um, and there may be times when you're going to look at some of the other types of validity um, that are more like face validity and convergent validity to to make sure like you know if we're looking at college students and their self-efficacy it it should be the case that uh college students in education that their self-efficacy in education maybe would increase over time as they continue through college and that they would have higher uh, scores overall than engineering college students. You know, that that wouldn't be unreasonable (laughs) to do those sorts of um, tests as well. Again, it's not like starting the measure over from uh, development from scratch, from the very beginning. But um, it's important not to make um, too many assumptions when um, building upon an existing measure. Did anyone have anything else that they would like to bring out
0: before we go?
1: No, I think think we've covered um,
0: a lot of it. Yeah, we do. We did a great job, I think. Well, thank you guys so much. I, I know this is going to be really helpful because it's a question that we see in the Office of Research and Student Services a lot. So thank you so much for your input. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for Research Talk. Our music is by audionautics.com. And I'm Dr. Lee Statlander. Today's podcast was sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services.